0: Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. When you see news happening, email us. Email us. News at newsms.
1: Welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Later starter than uh, later start than anticipated today, but certainly wanted to um, bring uh, you the governor's press conference today in its entirety. It's been quite uh, some time since we have, uh, have done that. But this was a big day because the uh, announcement about uh, schools in the state of Mississippi was uh, coming today, and um, interesting uh, interesting stuff there from the governor. Uh, schools, uh, a lot of the decision-making process is going to the local districts. There were eight school districts that uh, the governor said 7th through 12th grade would uh, would be pushed back. Uh, hot spots, but they would begin uh, the younger grades as well. So if you missed any of that, you can go back and uh, listen on the Super Talk Mississippi Facebook page. Uh, you can uh, check out that uh, press conference in its entirety. You will need a while to uh, do that. about an hour and forty five minutes though, with the Governor Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, and you on this um, what is today Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, <laughs> August the fourth. So I just kind of I hear you, man. Ha- we, we went back into press conference mode, and that took me back into—I don't know what day of the week it is anymore. Uh, April what's 47th. Up guys? Yeah.
0: What's
2: Did you wrong? say it's April the 47th? Yeah, something like that. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, that sounds uh, sounds about it's actually the rough.
2: 90th day of March, if you really think about it.
1: <laughs> March Madness
2: yeah. never felt so good.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's fair. C Spire text line is open. You want to be part of the show, you can do so. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Bull. There's a lot of it in wireless, but C Spire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. So here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing, no bull. ceasefire.com. dot com. Uh, Basketball happening uh, right now. Sacramento and Dallas are headed
2: to overtime, tied at 95. You're way behind, man. They are uh, down in 40 seconds to go in overtime, and it's Uh a four-point game.
1: Sorry, I guess I need to uh, refresh my – there it is. 107-102, Dallas leading Sacramento with a minute 21 to play in the overtime period. Uh, Pittsburgh and Minnesota are playing in Minneapolis. There was a delay in that game today. Not because of a COVID outbreak, but because of a drone flying over the field. They had to press pause on the game until the drone was gone. We are going to jump in and try and cover three hours worth of sports in an hour and 45 minutes or so with you this afternoon. Take a quick timeout, get you set for Sports Talk Mississippi when we come back on Super Talk Mississippi.
0: That you just can't wait. Yes. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Oh, don't touch that Here on Super Talk, Mississippi.
1: There was some thought that this could be the day that the SEC schedule release came out. That has not happened. There was also some thought that this was going to be the day that the Big Ten released its schedule for the fall. That has not happened as of yet. I I said hasn't happened with the SEC. Maybe I should say hasn't happened yet. But we're now at 20 minutes after 4 in the Central Time Zone. A little bit later than that on the East Coast. Seems like it would be a strange time at this point to release either the Big Ten or the SEC schedules. But... We did get some these-are-our-plans-going-forward news items today. First, from the Big 12. The Big 12's board of directors met last night and approved a plan to play nine conference games plus one non-conference game. Nine conference games and one non-conference game. move puts the league in line with most of its peers in the Power Five. Three leagues, the Big Ten, the SEC, and the Pac-12 are playing ten conference games each. The ACC approved a 10-plus-1 model that includes one non-conference game per team with rules regarding the location of the game. Uh, Let's see. In a release announcing the format late last night, the Big 12 said the start of conference play will be solidified in the coming weeks with an anticipated start sometime between mid to late September, possible that some schools play their opener on September 19th and others on September 26th one source said the expectation that non-conference games are contested prior to the beginning of league games could it be that Oklahoma really plays a game on August the 29th and then they don't play again until either September 19th or September 26th it sounds crazy right
0: it does but it's it's possible I mean, it sounds a little crazy, but oh, hold on. It sounds crazy. Where have we been the past six months? Yeah, true. Everything yeah, sounds fair. crazy. Just take it. Yeah. It isn't it no, the most I...
2: college football thing ever, though, that the Big 12 has to do the nine plus one because they only have 10 teams yeah. in the Big 12?
1: Yeah, I had that that same thought earlier. I mean, you know, one of the the cliches that exists in the uh, college football landscape is you do do your greatest improving between week one and week two, or
0: game one and game two. Man, they should be loaded for bear week two. I hate to play them then.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you, you play a game on August 29th like it's scheduled for Oklahoma, and then you get three weeks or four weeks until you play another game. I mean, you've really got to – chance to iron out the wrinkles from week one, whatever those wrinkles uh, may have been. Four Big 12 teams are currently planning to play their season openers on August 29th, which is generally referred to as uh, week zero. So I don't know, but we'll see what they say. The Bob Bowles be quoted as saying the more flexibility you have, the better off you are in terms of being able to make up games. I go into it with the assumption that we're going to have some disruptions. And we'll have some schedules we have to rearrange and that there will be some games to make up. If that's the case, the more time you have, the better you can deal with those things. And the Big 12, according to this story, is expected to be flexible in its approach to its December Conference Championship game, which Bowlesby previously discussed with the Athletic. That game currently is scheduled for uh, December 5th in Arlington. It could be pushed back to December 12th. Remember, the SEC has said its championship game will be December 19th. Is that right? Yes. It was the, yes. Yeah, the 19th for the SEC championship game, and the ACC said either the 12th or the 19th. So they were giving themselves some flexibility as well. But what does all of that mean to you about the Big 12? Anything or just more of the same?
2: Mostly just more of the same. I do, I'm do. curious as to where they're going to get the one. Because, I mean, I guess maybe they could get it from ACC teams if they want and find a way to get uh, some pretty marquee non-conference matchups on the fly because the ACC is going to be looking for those games. As long as those
1: games are played in ACC states.
2: Oh, that's right. Holy crap. Big 12
1: would not be able to host any of those games against ACC teams.
2: So that changes the dynamic there, and then, I don't know how much leverage they have, but I saw the Georgia State athletic director, I forget who they're supposed to play, but he said, it's Alabama, right? Uh, where he yeah. said, um, yeah. they're paying us all $1.3 million. Like That's going to happen, even though we our said game is not happening.
0: They had a game canceled with Memphis, and Memphis paid them, so they basically said, we know that if Memphis can pay us, Alabama can too. So you've got that
2: that dynamic there. Does the Big 12 want to add... Games and where do they add them from? Or do they just try to keep at least one of these by games on their schedule to avoid dealing with stuff like this? That's that's the interesting angle with these plus the, ones now.
0: Yeah. The Sun Belt released their, their thing today where they're going to go – they're going to try to play full 12, eight conference, and then they're told their, their players, their teams, hey, go out and find whatever you can get in non-conference, and you can play up to four. And if I'm ULM and ULL, I'm, I'm going on the road. I'm going to make about $5 million this year. I'm going to get as much as I possibly can <laughs> from, from games. Hey, Clemson,
2: how many phone calls do you think Clemson fielded today from the Sun
0: Belt? Every, every, every team? team? Every team said we are willing to come and lose 58-0 for, for $1.2 million.
1: Yeah, the interesting note on the the Georgia State thing, there was somebody from AL.com that did some reporting on, I don't remember who it was, I saw it on Twitter earlier, did some reporting on the contracts of those three games that Alabama had. We know specifically what the contract between Auburn and Southern Miss had, and if you remember uh, the reporting that Ross Dellinger did with Sports Illustrated, he kept making the statement that at least four schools uh, out of the 14 in the SEC in those non-conference games contracts uh, had language in there that could potentially allow them to be paid. Maybe Auburn had better lawyers th- than Alabama did. Um, well, seems backwards. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's not even a joke there. I mean, I- I'm just saying it- it's possible I mean, that that was not language that was included in yeah. in the contracts that Alabama had, or possibly Georgia State was smart enough to negotiate that particular line out of a contract. Maybe. Maybe they took a smaller guarantee. Maybe instead of getting $1.8 million, uh, they agreed to $1.2 million, but the mitigation language w- wasn't there.
0: Uh, so I don't know. Um,
1: but well, I, I think that's going to be different
0: for everybody. Yeah. No, you're, you're not wrong. Everybody's, it's just going to be like anything else. It's going to be a million different scenarios for everybody. I mean, Mississippi State's got to deal with them. Ole Miss is going to have to deal with them. Ole Miss and Connecticut aren't playing each other. They're going to have to figure that out. Ole Miss is not playing Georgia Southern now. They're going to figure that out. And I don't know who the FCS game is for Ole Miss. but And same for State. Alabama a and that's already off the schedule. My guess is with State, they could probably point to Alabama A&M and say, oh, the SWAC had already canceled when the SEC did, so we aren't, we aren't paying that. That might be a loophole for Mississippi State to be able to exploit. Uh, with Tulane, I don't know, with New Mexico, I mean, their, their governor is saying, don't go play football. So maybe that's another way Mississippi State can can, can use that. I don't know. Everybody's going to be looking for loopholes and scenarios and everything else. And at the end of the day, much as it is with everything else in this life, the lawyers will get rich.
1: Yeah, I think generally speaking, both Ole Miss and Mississippi State are going to be in pretty good shape. Certainly it appears to be in better shape than Alabama is with their particular contract. So Ole Miss's game against Baylor was canceled. And that's yeah. a tough break financially for Ole Miss, because that's one where you're not paying anything out, you're actually getting paid by that game. So you're probably not going to receive whatever the guaranteed payment was. I certainly doubt it's as much as Alabama was going to get for their game against USC, which I think was about $5 million, but probably in the $1.5 to $2 million range. And so you're you're losing the revenue on that game. But the flip side of that is you know you're not playing UConn because they've got the, the mandatory quarantine stuff it doesn't feel like that will change between now and the time that game is scheduled. Uh, but even so, the SEC has changed. You know, nobody's playing any non-conference games right. in the SEC, yeah. and so the other two, as you mentioned, were uh, Georgia State and Southeast Missouri State. So, or Georgia Southern and Southeast Missouri State for Ole Miss. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, those those were not going to be guarantees that were as big as some of the others that we're talking about. It was not going to be the one point eight five million that Southern Miss was getting to go play at Auburn anyway. In fact, I don't know that the guarantees for those two games combined would be as big as the guarantee that Southern Miss was getting from Auburn when it was all said and done. Of course, that went away as well. Uh, as Luke was telling us when we talked last week, Southern Miss got $450,000 of that money up front. So they've already been paid a portion of what they were supposed to be paid by Auburn, but the other $1.45 million that was supposed to be coming their way Uh, apparently is not going to happen. You guys mentioned it. Sunbelt Conference approved a 2020 scheduling plan that will keep its regular uh, eight conference games with up to four non-conference games. And they're just trying to fill in as best they can. The Sunbelt has told its schools that it may schedule games for week zero, August 27th, 28th, 29th, so that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, if they are interested in doing so. And you remember a week or so ago, the NCAA approved a blanket waiver for FBS schools to do so, provided they've got permission from their conference office. Uh, Statement from the Sunbelt said, the Sunbelt Conference will continue to monitor health trends across our communities. Sunbelt presidents and chancellors, athletics directors, the COVID-19 advisory panel, and medical advisors will continue to review data to ensure a safe return to activities and competition. Our data review will cross seven states and 12 counties and include, among other things, infection rates, hospitalization rates, etc. They're still going to try and play the Sunbelt Conference Championship game on December 5th at a campus site. When we come back, we'll go to the Farm Bureau phone line and visit with John Harris from the Houston Texans, get an update on what's happening in NFL country. That's next. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. One of our absolute favorites, John Harris from the Houston Texans, Texans Radio. He's a sideline reporter there. and does a whole bunch of other stuff in and around the Houston area in terms of the media joins us right now. He's got a beat on what's happening in the NFL, I hope, Hey,
3: John, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, the, the one thing I could definitely tell you without question, Richard, is the NFL is testing like nobody's business. And I've been tested, I think, today with 17 in a row, 17 days in a row that I've been tested for COVID. So if there's anything I know, I know that the NFL is testing and testing every single day.
1: Going 0 for 17 generally is not good. I'm assuming 0 for 17 you feel really good about things right now.
3: You know, a few years ago, the Rockets played the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs and had a shot in a game seven and went 0 for 17 from three. So every time I hear something 0 <laughs> for, that's exactly what I think about. That was a bad one. This is a good one. I'll be, I'd rather be 0 for a, a million. It doesn't matter. But, um, but it's been really, really interesting to see how we, being, I guess, symbolic of all 32 teams, have you know, the whole building has changed everywhere you look. Hand sanitizer. Um, you know, I, I don't know how many doors I walk through, Richard, that I don't even use my hands or arms or elbows, just wave a hand, it opens. Uh, look hmm. up at a facial recognition camera, door opens. I mean, it's, it's been pretty wild the changes that we've had in our building over the last four or five months.
1: All right, John, so if we look at sports as a whole, the NBA, their restart happening in a bubble in Orlando has been, uh, I think by pretty much all accounts in terms of the ability to play games, successful. WNBA, pretty successful. Soccer, after a little bit of a a hiccup with their tournament uh, happening in Orlando in a state with a bunch of infections, pretty successful. Major League Baseball, different story. They're not playing in a bubble. The NFL is not going to be playing in a bubble despite all the precautions that uh, that you just mentioned. So, what what's the level of optimism versus peps- pessimism about playing a season, not just starting one, but finishing one?
3: I think there is definitely um, I don't know about pessimism, but I think there is some definite skepticism about man can we can we do this? And I don't even know if it really, Richard, is about um, you know what the t- individual teams are doing, but. And sometimes I think people forget this. You're talking about 21 through, for the most part, you know, 33, 34-year-olds right in the prime of their lives. And when they leave the building, you can't really control what they do. And it's going to be imperative for teams to continually put up the Miami Marlins picture and say, hey, remember this? Don't let this happen to you. Don't let this happen to us. And it's going to be a a, a great lesson. And, and what I've what I've seen of the, the the teams in Major League Baseball that have have had the big outbreaks, that both of them started because in Miami's case you had some players that went out in Atlanta. I don't know if they went to Magic City to get wings or what, but they went out in Atlanta, <laughs> and then you had uh, some Cardinals apparently that went gambling and it's and look I want to go hit the blackjack tables as much as anybody but I realize I can't do that now the other factor I think that's different for the NFL than it is for major league baseball and it cuz just trying to find some differences is not easy but the one other aspect major league baseball is traveling throughout the week all year long they'll take if I did my math correct, somewhere between 25 to 27 trips in a normal year. So they'll still take, I don't know, in a shortened year, they're going to take 12 to 13 trips. We will take eight. And they happen, for the most part, pretty much on the weekend. And the other aspect of it is when we get to the hotel, we will go nowhere. Now, that's frustrating because I look at those those weekends as an opportunity to go get a bite to eat in a place that I don't, I don't live, to go kind of experience a little bit of the city in which we're going. And obviously I know I've got work to do, but this year because I'm a Tier 2 employee and more than likely traveling with the team, we will be bus, plane, bus, hotel, bus, stadium, bus, plane, back to our stadium, our, our hmm. facility. There's no going out. There's no basically, there's really basically leaving your room to go eat in, in basically it's grab and go type stuff. There's no buffet. There's no going down to the hotel restaurant. The NFL has put a number of different traveling protocols that are going to make it very difficult for players to get out and do things. And that's where the Cardinals and the Marlins both really have had issue and hopefully the NFL will continue to impress upon these players. This is why we're doing this. Hopefully, you understand, and hopefully, the players that that are not opting out, the majority of them are, um, they can see that and they get that. And hopefully, with a veteran team that that gets it, hopefully, you won't have a bunch of knuckleheads that bring it back to you and, and shut your season down. So. I think a couple of the differences in the NFL and the NBA, and hopefully those differences will help the NFL going forward.
1: It's really interesting when you you kind of lay it out exactly how it's going to be. It gives you a chance to you know catch up on some rest or watch Netflix yeah. or whatever, but that's really all you're going to be doing. What What's your best guess on attendance? I mean, in a place like Houston, do you anticipate some fans in the stands? We know that there's, uh, Philadelphia is not going to have any. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what they've decided in California. Is it just going to kind of be piecemealed together in terms of attendance at games?
3: I think it's going to vary throughout the country, kind of like everything has been during COVID. I think, you know, Governor Abbott in our uh, state has said, you know, you can have up to 50% fans. In fact, Ross Bort. York uh, said the mm-hmm. other day that at A and M they were hoping to get up to fifty percent because that's what the governor has mandated. But our ticketing uh, department uh, went through and did an analysis of the entire stadium, like what would happen if we separated people by six feet and kept people out of adjacent rows, and and it essentially comes down to I think like twenty two to twenty five percent of people in the building, which is somewhere between thirteen to fifteen thousand. So, they've prepared for every scenario. They've prepared for that scenario. They've prepared for 50%. They've obviously prepared for zero fans um, and how you handle that. But it's the ticking, our ticketing department, man, I, I, I give them a gold medal. And throughout the league, man, if there have been some departments that have gone through it, because they're the first group you want to talk to when something goes wrong with your tickets, the first. Group, you want to talk to and something goes wrong on game day, call the ticketing department. Those four guys in there, and I love them. They're great for us, but they've been looking at all of that. My guess is that we will try to get that 20 to 25% in there as long as things stay either stable or continue to go down. We've seen some decrease in our hospitalizations and in some of our cases lately, but you know, it could spike in another month, and they could just shut it down and say no fans. So yeah, my gut tells me we want some fan presence in there, but that's, I don't think, going to be something. And we've had a, we have had a big organization-wide meeting about it on the business ops side and talked about it and just said, look, everything is really still on the table at that point. Um, and, of course, the fans were like, well, we don't really care if we go to the games, or are you going to open the roof now? Like, come on, man. Sometimes fans ask some of the most ridiculous questions because we never open our <laughs> roof. And so now they want the roof over. So I, I don't know. It, it's it's I think that's going to be a moving target all the way until we play, uh, which I believe we play on the 20th of September against Baltimore. <laughs> Great. We start with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson back-to-back. How about that? Um, but I believe it's the 20th, that following Sunday, that we play in week two at home. And so well by then, hopefully there'll be a plan, and we'll see what there. Uh, and waiting for us for that particular game.
1: John, you have never in your life answered a question in thirty seconds. I need you to answer this question in thirty seconds or less. <laughs> I love you for it. But we got a hard break coming up. Um, I know are are players fired up about no preseason games?
3: I think so. Yeah, you know we haven't had a chance to talk to them too much. Um, that's a great question though. i I think, yes, the vets are. I think the rookies, I think they would like to get out there and put the gear on, especially the undrafted guys. Like, come on, man. Now, we didn't have many to begin with. So, with the undrafted free agents, I think we're actually down like six after some cuts have been made to get us to 80. So, yeah, it's, I do think the vets, though, are like, yeah, let's just kick this thing off. We got a pretty veteran team. So, my guess is that they're pretty excited about just getting this thing going on September 10th. And they want to see it work and be good for all teams so they can keep it that way going forward.
1: Yeah, no, that certainly makes a lot of sense. That was close, man. That was 34 seconds. That That is a new record for you.
3: Yeah.
1: It it. You're the best, my man. John, always uh, appreciate your time. Enjoy your uh, uh, the countdown. Hopefully uh, we get it all in. Talk to you soon, my friend.
3: Absolutely, brother. Take care, Richard.
1: That's John Harris from the Houston Texans. Houston Texans radio sideline reporter there of interesting stuff in terms of what it's going to look like and what they're doing to try and make the NFL happen. Sports Talk Mississippi. John joined us on the Farm Bureau phone line. We'll be right back. Back the you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Tuesday afternoon. We were a little late getting started today. Actually, a lot late getting started today. Governor Tate Reeves with uh, his press conference today announcing that some Mississippi schools will be starting, some will be delayed and some elementary schools are going to be starting, but you've got some high schools, 7th through twelve grades, that are going to be pushed back a couple of weeks. So a lot of information to digest there. You want to check it all out, you can go to the Super Talk Mississippi Facebook page and watch the press conference or listen to it in its entirety. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Don't forget, the ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Again, 601 601- 879 8794395 Hammy sends us a uh, a picture from his playroom. He says, "Love having you guys on the big screen in the playroom. Glad I found you on Roku. You can uh you can watch Sports Talk Mississippi if you have Roku on your television. Just stream it." Do You like that, hey dad?
0: I do. That's awesome. Yes. I'm, sp- yeah, I'm sp- surprised anybody you, wants uh, to watch us, but you know. nobody wants yeah. to look at me. Jeez. Tim in Columbia says thanks for the college football updates
1: on scheduling. I'm hoping for some football soon. Can't wait. Keep up the good work and the info. Yeah, we're going to uh, do the best that we uh, can. What about angry Tate Reeves today?
2: Uh, Porky, uh, he, got uh, a he got fired up about one question. Yeah, one. Uh, well, one publication in particular uh, was started in the cult- out with "Thank you for that question," and then <laughs> maybe the. T- I did not expect that at all. Like I, I even like perked my head up. Like wait, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I was oh. Sitting here in the studio, not paying attention. You know, I just I can hear it through the uh, the headphones, and all of a sudden I hear his voice go up an octave, and I was like, "What's what's happening? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, hey there." Yeah. Um. So yeah, you've uh, you got that going on. Uh, again, you can go back and check that out if uh, you are so inclined. Uh, you got a bunch of baseball happening tonight. You got some NBA stuff going on as well. Give you the uh, the complete scoreboard. Minnesota, by the way, leading seven to three over Pittsburgh in the ninth inning of that game. I told you earlier it was um, delayed because of a drone. They had some breaking news
0: on that. Don't know if you saw that or not. It was not a drone. It was Jose Altuve in a hand glider.
1: <sighs> oh. Well played. Well played. 114, 110 in overtime. Dallas over Sacramento. Brooklyn beat Milwaukee. 119, 116. And Phoenix. Defense optional in Orlando with Phoenix and the Clippers. 95-91, Suns leading it over the Clippers as they get ready to start the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, speaking of a game that might be defense optional, Houston and
2: Portland tonight at eight o'clock on Ooh, uh, be, on TNT. That is that should a be a lot of, teams of fun that to can watch. Score. They, they yeah. can score, and they both have a lot to play for still. So, so you're going – the the bubble – put all, all the politics stuff aside. I know there are people, and they let me know on Twitter every time I tweet about the NBA that they are not watching. And thank you for letting me know that you're not watching. I appreciate that. Um, but all that stuff aside, the games have been great. The play – for a four-and-a-half-month hiatus, I mean, they were the first league to go. And that's the longest these guys have ever been in their lives without playing basketball, at least competitively. And they come back, and they're, I mean, by and large, playing good defense, Uh, shots are falling, Uh, the shooting percentages are not that bad, conditioning's, for, for the most part, been pretty good. There are some teams that appear to be a little better conditioned than others, but... The product's great. The games James are Harden close. James Harden played defense one time. James Harden played awesome. defense on Giannis. It was, I mean, it was pretty awesome. But the product, as far as quality of play, has been really good. And part of that you can chalk up to the fact that, like, you don't have to watch the Knicks play because they're not there. <laughs> but
0: <laughs> in the, uh, it's
1: funny because it's true. In the words of the great Sir Charles Barkley, the Memphis Grizzlies have been terrible. Horrible. have I been mean, I mean bad. 0-3 yeah. oh, in the bubble. And uh, congratulations to New Orleans for getting to play a terrible team yesterday.
2: Well, that's what happens when your best player plays actual minutes. It's amazing when you actually unleash say, your best player what yeah. he
1: does. You know, this whole minutes restriction on Zion thing, he's a good basketball player. He, he's talented. It's kind got of fun,
0: too. It's, it's really funny cool how the he narrative was and, and you talked about it yesterday, Bork. The, the narrative was just go ahead and shut him down. Yeah. <laughs> and Richard's favorite, Why not just play the games, it'll be all right. Richard's favorite columnist
2: during the game yesterday said New Orleans should shut him down because this is a waste of time. He goes and drops twenty three, seven and five. I mean, like it, he's the reason they won that game down the stretch. He and Ingram was really great. Wait, was great. Dan Wilson said of that genius. Dan Walken said that they should go ahead and shut him down because this is a waste of time. And then he dropped Man, twenty-one or twenty-three points. <laughs> I Go ahead what, shut down cat, Zion!
1: <laughs> that cat is an expert on everything. He's got public health figured out. He's got minutes restrictions figured out. He's got the pulse of college football, the pulse of the NBA. Man, if we can just get the NFL going so he can give us a little expertise on that particular area as well, we will have it all covered. We'll only need one sports writer. We won't need anybody else because we'll have Dan Woken.
2: I retweeted an old column of his from back in March when he said the bubble idea is stupid and we should stop talking about it because it can never happen. You
1: know who else is stupid? Mm Mm-hmm. You do. 5 o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad on this Tuesday. Thanks for being with us. C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Want more fast and less furious? Switch to C Spire Fiber and see what real Internet looks like. No data caps, no long-term contracts, no cancellation fees. Don't settle for slow speeds, lousy reliability, and bad customer service from the other guys. With C Spire Fiber, you get gigabit speeds, over 99.99% reliability, and local 24-7 support, so nothing slows you down. See if C Spire Fiber is available in your area now at cspire.com slash fiber. Time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers where the summer sales event is going on right now. That means great savings. on the full line of SUVs from Ford plus the F-150, the best-selling truck in America, 43 straight years. Get behind the wheel and test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford Dealer. So, college football fix. What have we got? Well, Larry Scott, Commissioner of the Pac 12, has responded to the We Are United campaign from uh, a number of Pac 12 football players. Apparently, 11 players signed the letter. And we've heard that hundreds and hundreds are involved, but we've got signatures of 11. The 11 were uh, from uh, all but one of the schools in the league. There was not a player from the University of Colorado that was represented in this letter. Tell me if you recognize any of these names. And and not that it really matters if they're recognizable or not, but I wonder if it would carry a little more cachet if Keaton Slovis from USC's name was on this letter. Or... You know, et cetera, et cetera, Dallas Hobbs from Washington State, Cody Shear from Arizona State, Jadon Grant from Oregon State, Valentino Daltoso from Cal, Chase Williams from Southern Cal, Elijah Higgins from Stanford, Javon Holland from Oregon, Joe Tryon from Washington, Malik Hosman from Arizona, Nick Ford from Utah, and Otito Ogbania from UCLA. I don't, I don't We're know all college football at. fans.
0: Yeah, you yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. That's sort again. Of, that's I'm, sort not, of interesting. I'm not it, being callous.
0: It, that, no, no. But think about what happened in this state, right? With Kylan Hill. You know, if 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 MSU's you know backup offensive tackle makes that statement, does it have the same sort of impact that it did when Kylan Hill made it? No, no. It's hard to believe that it. And, and, and you know, I don't have I don't have like I said yesterday. I don't have a whole lot of issues with these players wanting to to make some changes and using what leverage they have. But it's sort of interesting that the guys who would be the faces of those teams and the stars of that league aren't the ones seemingly coming forward and putting their names to things.
1: So the We Are United letter was signed by those 11 players. Larry Scott has responded in a 1,400-word memo. He says, we're eager to hear more about your concerns and very happy to discuss. I will come back to you in the coming days following discussion with our members and student-athlete leaders to schedule a call for this week to discuss the matters that you have raised. Part of the letter the health of the athletes is the league's quote number one priority he goes on to say for this reason we've made clear on july 10th that any student athlete who chooses not to return to competition for health or safety reasons will have their scholarship protected and will remain in good standing with their team we support any student athlete who chooses to opt out for health and safety concerns
2: see that right there and this is kind of what i was talking about yesterday it In that letter, I said yesterday they didn't provide examples of these issues and in part because they've already, I mean, they listed demands in part of things that they were already receiving. Yeah. Yeah. In regard to some of the demands,
1: Larry Scott cited multiple initiatives the Pac-12 has championed over the years, including their policy for, one, providing medical care for athletes four years beyond their eligibility which is, according to Larry Scott, twice as many years of coverage as any other major conference. Also says allowing any former player to use the remainder of their scholarship to return to campus to complete a degree. Says against schools canceling scholarships because of poor performance and requiring schools to have mental health services available to all athletes. Again, addressing some of the concerns by saying, Yeah, we're already doing that. Larry Scott touched on the Black Lives Matter movement across the country, one that is filtered into college sports by saying the Pac-12 has a long history of supporting student-athlete voices and initiatives on social justice. On July 1, the Pac-12 announced a series of next steps to combat racism and support social justice, including they've hired somebody to be the head of diversity and inclusion at the conference office. They formed a social justice and anti-racism advisory group that includes student-athlete representatives, and they have launched a series of student-athlete and coach anti-racism
2: forums. The latter two of those things you just mentioned, also something that they asked for in the letter. By the way, no
1: Pac-12 school is requiring athletes to sign a liability waiver to begin workouts. The league supports two initiatives that were important in the We Are United group letter, including a modification of the transfer rule to allow players to play immediately and the passage of a uniform legislation to allow players to profit from their name, image, and likeness. We went through the demands yesterday. A bunch of the demands have already been met or are in the process of being met, and it's just going to take a little time to get through them. And the idea of coaches... And administrators giving up significant chunks of their salary. Or the conference and the universities splitting the revenue that comes in to support these athletic programs. Just splitting it down the middle with the student-athletes in each sport. Those are complete non-starters. Complete non-starters. Larry Scott's been a punching... I'm sorry, what?
2: And out of their hands. I mean, the, the name, image, and likeness thing, the sixth year scholarship uh, idea, uh, the transfer, free transfer without penalty thing, that is all completely out of their school's hands. So, I mean, you could do like a nationwide boycott to get those kind of things, but you just sitting out of Oregon's games and punishing your school is not changing that rule because your school can't do anything about it
1: six-year scholarships are that 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 there's no reason for that i'll say four years maybe a stretch sometimes but if you get after it you can still graduate in four years you did it borky right i did i could have in three if i really wanted to peyton manning graduated in three years and earned a master's degree in a fourth year i'm not saying that okay maybe he's the exception to the rule. Yeah, that, that really feels like he is, to be honest. No, of course. I mean, Peyton Manning, an overachiever, big surprise. But people graduate all the time in four years and finish a master's degree in a fifth year. Look, it, uh, from, from the, the time I started until the time I finished college was six and a half years. It was entirely too long. I didn't do a great job tending to some of my business. I transferred away from Ole Miss after my freshman year, back to Ole Miss a semester or a year and a half later, and I took a semester off to work. And for the last year and a half that I was in school, worked full-time multiple jobs while I was in school. I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm saying I can tell you why it took me six and a half years and still tell you that it was too long. It shouldn't have taken me that long because I wasn't serious enough in my academic stuff along the way. But I lost credits transferring away. I lost credits transferring back. I took a semester off, and I worked full time for the last year and a half I was in school. That's how it took me six and a half years. The idea of being a full scholarship athlete and getting 6 years to finish your undergraduate work? That's come on. That's
0: unrealistic. Especially, especially when you consider that every athlete has advanced, has has access to tutoring and and academic centers and things of that nature that that those athletes are fast tracked to get their degree because it benefits the school and APR yeah. rates and they have to keep Recycling players in and out, and they so are the, made to go. Schools to class are making and they are made exactly. to study. Yeah, they are. They are. You know, this is a, this. You're, you're right, and this is one of those those the things on this list that you just can't really get behind because hey, here's one for you. Universities want those kids processing and getting them out of there as fast as yeah. possible. You, you want a local example? I'll give you one.
1: Momo Sonogo at Ole yeah. Miss, really good linebacker, injured last year. He has graduated and is starting the MBA program as a redshirt junior. He's a bright kid. And he's a really hard worker. It can be done if you want to do it, but you got to want to do it. So, just the whole idea of, hey, let's give six years of scholarship eligibility. Why? At some point, you've got to be fiscally responsible as well, and that's not fiscally responsible, and that's not taking the education piece seriously at all if you're a student athlete. Good to be with you on this Tuesday afternoon as we roll along in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, you remember Michael Borky told you, oh, I don't remember, I think it was yesterday, yeah, yesterday or Friday, that... The NFL still hadn't quite gotten everything worked out in terms of its restart agreement, the, the deal between the NFL and the NFLPA. It uh, is now worked out. Sorry from NFL.com. All remaining issues between the NFL and the Players Association on the side letter to the collective bargaining agreement making changes for the 2020 season have been resolved and following a review by the union, the deal is done. That's according to Tom Pelissero at NFL Network. Perhaps the largest agreement comes with the sides' accordance for an opt-out deadline, which will be Thursday. Players have until 4 o'clock Eastern time this Thursday. And the players were informed of that deadline last night. They were likewise told that the annual drug testing window would commence on Friday. So... While the deadline for players to opt out of the season is set for Thursday, the deal the NFL and NFLPA finalized will also permit players to opt out later in two specified situations due to family or medical circumstances. Those two ways are a player gets a new diagnosis that he has a high-risk condition or a player's family member dies, is hospitalized, uh, hospitalized or otherwise moves to a medical facility because of COVID-19 or a COVID-related condition. It seems reasonable.
2: It does and it's important to note I've seen some people including those that have texted into the show that say that the players are are opting out and still getting paid. They do receive a stipend, but they have to pay it back. So if you opt out and you get the $150,000 stipend if you opt out for a, a non like immediate family member reason, like if you just aren't comfortable, they give you $150,000 that you then have to pay back in 2021. So they're not getting paid to opt out. They are just given some survival money for the year, and next year, you you got to play and you got to pay that money back.
0: So so, that, so how does that work? How does that work for undrafted free agents? Because I saw that Stephen Gidry is opting out, undrafted free agent. I know that Drake Dorbeck from U.S.M. is, is opting out, undrafted free agent. W- what contracts do these guys have? they are they taking a risk that they're going to get on the squad next year and have a contract to be able to pay it back?
2: Possibly, or maybe there's some kind of clause for a UDFA that's yeah, not under contract with their
0: team, uh, which maybe makes a no, difference. No idea what it is. I wish I knew, though. I may have to, to dig a little deeper in that because I've seen it and it's just been like, I don't get it. I, I, I just don't get it. I understand in both of their instances why they're doing it, but uh, I, I don't know how they're doing it, I guess is my question.
1: Uh, there was another resolution in there, and this may partially answer that question. Any player defined as high risk, including undrafted free agents and players who did not earn a credited season in 2019, qualify for the same $350,000 stipend if they opt out of 2020.
2: So there would be your differences, the guys that have reason versus the if guys who don't. If there's a condition, don't.
1: yeah. If, the, if, if you then, just say, I'm, I'm out because I don't feel comfortable,
0: then you don't I, get I the mean, same I, deal. I get that, but and then both of those guys I think will will have they have the reasons to do it. But I don't understand how if they don't make the squad next year, how are they paying that money back? Oh Canada. Yeah, I guess I mean yeah, but the I mean the, the league minimum there is like fifty seven grand a year. I don't I just don't think that's gonna I, I don't think Stephen is gonna do that, so
2: it might just be an incentive. I mean, maybe they just they look at certain cases next year and say, hey, you don't have I to... Not gas, Jack. That might be the uh, case, yeah.
1: Nearly 50 players have opted out so far. With regard to the drug testing window, a bit of an augmentation, they say, as well. Traditionally, players are tested in the first two weeks of training camp, but this year a bit of a grace period has been extended with a window of August 7th through the 17th. It's also notable... Uh, in years past, players could be suspended for positive drug tests. That is no longer the case. They can, however, incur fines. So if you've been partaking in banned substances during the time away from football, the uh, you, you have plenty of time to get that out of your system. And if it's not completely out of your system, you're not necessarily going to be suspended. How about this? The NFL Management Council sent NFL teams an updated discipline schedule that included suspensions and fines for what are deemed, quote, high-risk COVID-19 conduct, such as going to bars, clubs, and house parties without personal protective equipment or that involve greater than 10 people in attendance. Players will also be subject to fines for refusing to submit to virus testing. That is a $50,000 fine and refusing to wear a mask, PPE, or tracking device or failing to maintain social distancing during team travel, which would be progressive fines up to fourteen thousand six hundred fifty dollars.
2: I would like to know what the fine would be if an NFL player pulls a Lou Williams and goes to a strip club. I would love to know what they find that player for doing that. Fifty thousand dollars. That's the refusal to submit. To oh, a test. oh, yeah. Because that's well, the. I don't thing. Know. The NFL, man, it's it's probably a player by player thing, but they have gotten to witness what happened in baseball and the carelessness that happened in baseball. And even though Derek Jeter's lying to everyone's face by saying that his players only went to go get coffee or had a nice dinner at one of their houses, uh, the Marlins. He didn't say where they went to get coffee. Oh yeah, he I mean you could get coffee in a lot of places. There are bars that serve coffee, so you know maybe that's it. Or he was talking about coffee stout, which is probably not great to drink in the summer, but, you know, to each their own. Um, not a fan. The NFL has has witnessed this now. And, by the way, Matt Stafford had a false positive. Yep. And that, I mean, if that happens in the season, I guess this is a completely different conversation, but if the quarterback of an NFL team gets a false positive because of the protocol that's currently in place... He's probably missing a game. Even though the test was a false positive, it took that many days to get him reinstated through the protocol with, like, he had to get two negative tests and had to quarantine for a certain number of days. He would have missed a start for a false positive. So it's imperative that not only do you not do anything, but they figure out how to deal with a false positive as well. Because if Matt Stafford had a false positive, think about how many other people have gotten one
0: too, which is crazy. But, but you... uh. Did you see the, the, the I guess, the, I don't know where she put it, but his wife came out, and she just ripped the NFL for this. The Lions did, too. Yeah, I mean, it's basically, she's like, and she made a good point. She said, my kids were told they couldn't come to school. People were telling me not to come to their house. I was asked to leave restaurants and asked to leave grocery stores and stuff. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, getting a positive test, if, if it's especially if it's false, I mean, that's that's a scarlet letter right now. So, yeah, the the NFL's got to be able... This is the NFL. They got more money than anybody. They got to be able to do better than that. Anybody but Jeff Bezos.
1: He's got more money than anybody.
0: Does, does, does the NFL combined have more money than Jeff Bezos? I bet they do. All 32 owners? That's a great that
1: question. Is, that is a good question. The poorest owner uh,
2: is Al Davis, right? Well, he's dead. I'm so not Al drinking. Davis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yikes. Oops. Let's uh, go ahead and restart he, the segment here. Let me get the He's walking those streets um, of gold,
0: maybe. I don't know.
2: Yeah, no, not Al Davis, the other Davis that cuts his own hair that owns the
0: Raiders. Mark Davis is it's Davis. his son.
2: Yeah. yeah. Isn't he the poorest uh, owner at $500 million?
0: I have no idea yeah, the answer. The, the,
2: the
1: wealthiest owner. Is um, well, I guess it's What's Paul, Paul Allen. State, but he's yeah. Um, that's, a,
0: that's, a, that's a that's a that's a good question though.
1: Real time billionaire tracker has uh it was a tough day today for uh, Jeff Bezos. He lost like a Ooh. billion and a half dollars. Prayers he's up. At, uh,
0: that's 100... that's the equivalent of you and I losing twenty bucks. Like I had twenty no, bucks no, in no. my pocket. Where'd it go? Not that much. Not that much. Like, oh God, a yeah. dollar. <laughs>
1: You you lost a $2 bill. Uh, Bezos uh, today is worth $183 billion.
2: Man, I bet and it's remember, close, just off the top of my head. I bet it's really close. Because Paul Allen's so what,
1: estate was what? I mean, it was a
0: ton. I don't remember exactly. I, and I'm getting... Paul Allen and Steve Ballmer confused a little bit. So we bit. need them Ballmer- to be averaging 5.71 billion. He might it, it might be Bezos or Bezos or whatever his name is. Bezos, Jeff Bezos. Bezo- it, it doesn't matter. No, well I, I just was helping you because
1: you seem to be searching for the right answer. Bezos, Quanzo, it's all the same. Bad news for the Atlanta Braves. Don't know if you saw this last night or not. Mike Soroka, the ace pitcher on that staff, who's young, only 23 years old. uh, An apparent Achilles injury everybody was putting on Twitter. Oh, it popped. Uh, Not a knee injury, despite the fact that he was not able to put any pressure on the leg as he was being helped off. Evidently, you
0: can see it uh, roll up on the footage. It's not not good. It's it's not pretty.
1: Not uh, pretty. He's pitching well. Did not pitch particularly well last night. Prior to last night's game. Uh, Two earned runs, eight hits and 11 and a third innings with a 159 ERA. Uh, Struggling last night a bit, had given up four runs on three hits and had walked four in just two and a third. But uh, that could put the Braves in a little bit of a pickle in terms of pitching rotation. Sports Talk Mississippi, half an hour left with you on this Tuesday afternoon. We'll be right back. Drama in the bubble. Devin Booker for Phoenix hits a game winner as time expires, and the Suns get a dub over the uh, Los Angeles Clippers.
2: Have you seen Lost the shot? Stand see, up. Have you seen the highlight of the shot?
1: Yes. Uh, to call it contested would be an understatement.
2: What is Zubots doing, though? I mean, throwing away the outlet after he gets a rebound with, what was it, nine seconds left? giving Devin Booker a final shot at it, in Paul George's grill.
1: Three finals in, one game going on, two coming up tonight. Phoenix beat the Clippers 117-115, and overtime Dallas over Sacramento 114-110. Tight game between Brooklyn and Milwaukee. The Nets won it by three over the Bucks.
2: If you took Indiana, the Nets' money line, it paid out plus 1600 Who?
1: That's why they play the game. Games, I guess. Uh, Pacers up on the Magic, 43-22 at the end of the first, so that kind of bucking the trend of a bunch of close games today in the association tonight. Boston and Miami, that one tips off, actually uh, is about to tip off on TNT, and then Houston and Portland is the late game tonight as well. Major League Baseball, got a uh, a bunch of games happening. The best team in baseball is not playing today because of all the shuffling thanks to the Phillies and the Marlins and whatnot, Reds leading the Indians in the second inning. Twins beat the Pirates early. Red Sox are at the Rays tonight. That one gets started in just a few minutes. Mets are at the Nationals. Blue Jays in Atlanta to take on the Braves, who lost last night to fall to 7-4. Marlins will return to the ballpark tonight. 16 new faces on the Marlins roster. And um, I guess it's a fair fight because they're playing the Orioles. Yeah, that was mean. White Sox at the Brewers. Royals at the Cubs. Giants are in Denver to take on the Rockies. Giants, I guess, dropped one last night. Uh, Kevin Gossman getting the start. You remember him from LSU a few years ago? Oh yeah. Cat can pitch. Ooh, he yeah. was
0: good. Yeah, well.
1: The um Astros are at the Diamondbacks. Rangers out west to take on the A's. Dodgers and the Padres tonight. Padres have been good so far. They're seven and four. And uh, have only one loss at home. And uh, if you want late-night baseball, you can get it on ESPN. Uh, Mike Trout and the Angels, despite going to 16 teams for the playoffs, the Angels, if they started today, would still be outside looking in. Mm. And the Marlins are in
2: first place.
0: Yeah. We'll see if that holds up.
2: They're just playing the long game. They're just keep getting games postponed and postponed because of coronavirus.
0: That they make the playoffs if, automatically and win the division. If they win tonight, if they win and they are at seven fifty, they ch- I'd shut it down. <laughs> ah,
2: got the player have the
0: best record in baseball. Go to Madison. Yeah, you, you'd be in. Nobody's nobody's winning seventy five percent of these games. You'd be in. Be in the right.
2: locker room after the game. Hey guys, you want some wings? <laughs>
0: Jeez, if they win tonight the, the
1: Mariners. That's nine o'clock. There the ESPN. cameras.
0: Okay. Going to other cameras tonight. Marlins win the game. They got champagne out. They got the lockers all covered up. They're handing out T shirts. Just breathing on each
1: other. Yeah. Hey, you know what's impressive? It's to have one team with two different games postponed on the same night. That's the Phillies and Yankees will now have a makeup game tomorrow. Cardinals and Tigers are postponed. Their makeup date is to be determined. And the Phillies and Marlins on the original schedule were supposed to play each other in Miami. Another makeup date to be determined.
0: Ooh, I don't. Ooh, bad news for the Grizzlies. Just came over Twitter. Did y'all see this? Yep. And yeah, Jaron Jackson tears a meniscus out for the rest of the season. Ooh, that's, that's that for that. Man, he was smooth
2: last night. To a guy his size, should not be able to move so fluidly. But oh, he is it's Brutal if he continues to work and obviously recovers from this injury although it could have been worse I imagine but he's got Kevin Durant skill set in him and he's a little bit more physical but the way he can he can beat people off the dribble and how fluid he is attacking the basket and also making the outside shot like he's got that skill set he's that good
1: c text line is open to you, 601 if you want to be a part of the conversation. The PGA Championship begins on Thursday, and the uh, the T-sheets, uh, the pairings are, are pretty good. Uh, they've got a few of them that are, are really stacked, including uh, Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas, and Rory McIlroy in a group. get behind that, can't you?
2: Yeah, that, uh, what is it, 822 to 833 local time? So that, what is that, 10 o'clock, 1030 our time uh, when they start on Thursday? Back-to-back groups, Spieth, Rose, and DJ, and then Rory, JT, and Tiger.
1: Mm, Not bad. Sign me up. Not bad at all. By the way, they'll be going off number 10. If, if you care. If you know Harding Park that intimately, that that makes a difference to you one way or the other, uh, good for you. You have too much time on your hands.
2: Love the primetime majors, though. Every major, except for the Masters, obviously should be on the West Coast. Figure it out. Give me golf that's finishing at 10 o'clock. I, I love this stuff.
1: You kind of eliminate a bunch of really good golf courses if you do that.
2: Yeah, you do. But, man, this is so cool. The you just want to play them all at, at Pebble Beach? Every single one of them. The coverage starts at 4 I mean, East Coast majors, they're wrapping up at four. I mean, we get to get home from work on on Friday night and just put our feet up and have a beer and watch the majority of the day's worth of golf. That's awesome.
1: That's exactly what Brian Haydad has in mind, right? You know it. Can't wait to get home from work on Friday to watch golf,
0: said Brian Haydad. <laughs> Super Fantastic.
1: Tiger met with the reporters today. He says, this is what I've been gearing up for. We've got a lot of big events starting from here, so looking forward to it. This is going to be a fun test for all of us. The rough is up. The fairways are much more narrow. Uh, went on to say, I've been trying to prepare for the three, trying to figure out my schedule and training programs and playing prep and the things I need to work on for each major venue. It's just a different calendar order and different time of year, but this is a big run for us coming up. I've been gearing up for this. Looking forward to the challenges of not only this week, but obviously the FedEx Cup playoffs, and the U.S. Open, and then the Masters. I mean, one of those things is not like the other, except for the fact that the winner of the FedEx Cup playoff gets fifteen million dollars.
0: Did you? Didn't you do the finger? Sorry. million
1: million dollars. I can't see you on the stream. I,
0: yeah, uh, you, you could have me do it. Um, I believe you. I believe you.
1: Nice. So. Can. What seventy? Oh, it's a seventy-two hundred yard course. Brooks Kefka called it a big boy golf course.
0: Bryson DeChambeau the, revealed it's only seven hundred one seven thousand one hundred ninety nine yards. So, do they have ants in California? They got the murder ants out there, don't they?
2: Oh yeah. Oh, they found a murder hornet uh, like up in New England. So we're in real
0: trouble. I saw a picture. Of somebody had like one. It was like holding it by its neck, like it was a fish. Yeah, like
1: like. Can you, they find can a, you train that animal? Wasn't there a squirrel that tested positive for bubonic plague in Colorado? I remember we, we right before we went on vacation, yeah, we saw that yeah. somewhere. Yeah.
0: I guess Pretty we didn't run up, into the bubonic plague squirrel, which is just as well. Heard of plague rats, but rat, plague rats. But have you heard of bubonic plague squirrel? Um,
1: So a 7,200-yard golf course that is going to probably play longer than that because of the weather conditions. In the mornings, temperatures are hovering in the 50s, and it's likely not to reach 70 degrees for most of the week. And Tiger said this, talking to some of the guys yesterday, they were laughing at their track man numbers already, which is how they measure on the range what they're doing. It says, they don't have the swing speed or ball speed they did last week. Just the way it is, it's going to be playing longer. It's heavy air weather, and whether the wind blows or not, it's still going to be heavy. The ball doesn't fly very far here. wonder how Bryson DeChambeau is making those calculations mentally.
2: Probably inaccurately. Have you seeing what's unfolding, by the way? Uh, this just is wild. College football is just one of these stories every day. Yesterday it was Gary Patterson. Today, apparently a handful of Colorado State players uh, reached out to a local newspaper to tell them that they were being forced to practice, even though they were showing symptoms of the virus. They were being told to suppress their symptoms and, their, and not go to the trainer. And they were told that if they... Uh, had to quarantine because of coronavirus, that they would lose their playing time. So the story runs with quotes from anonymous players. Turns out um, there's a handful of Colorado State players that are sharing that story saying none of this is true at all.
0: Yeah, so, just, guy, I mean, just guys being dudes, man.
2: Yeah, Steve Adazio over there. But, I mean, seriously, one of these players saying, Coach tells us every day if we have symptoms to stay home, Another one saying, none of this is true. Another one saying, name the sources because when I was sick, I was urged to call the trainer right away. I'm calling BS. Another player,
0: nobody listened to this man. This is the furthest from the truth. This is wild. Coaches are making some dumb statements here and there, but that's one that will get you fired if you told your team to do stuff like that. There's no way. I'm not buying into that. I'm not going to buy that one.
1: One player said, whoever on this team's lying has got to go. That's weird. Y'all know good and well, CSU goes the extra mile to make sure they're following the guidelines coach tells us every day. Symptoms, stay home, tell your coach.
2: What is going on, man? A Super Talk Mississippi (laughs) media production.